Hello and welcome. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, that means you are back at the Two Beers Please podcast. And yes, this is not Deja Vu. This is a new podcast episode. We're just coming coming at you with all of them this week. We got a lot to talk about, and so we are not giving you a rest. You listened to one today, yesterday, and you're listening to one today. So who's- after we had after we had such a good week picking NFL games and like the you know many technical issues that luckily I don't have to deal with because we'd be lost. So thank thank you, Yannick, for that. But we we we, were like, we had to get these picks out early so people can make some money from our genius. Right, exactly. We're like, man, if only we had gotten picks out early, we'd have some rich fellas around the around the around the world. And uh, we want we want to help you that. Although I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna preview. I'm gonna preface that by saying I made some upset picks this week. So maybe take my word with a grain of salt. I might go zero and seven. I don't really know. Dude, the good thing with the upset picks, though, with the like doing it with the line, like with the Washington game, like I didn't even actually pick Washington to win, but I picked them to cover, which you would still have won money. So like them winning was just the cherry on top. Right, exactly. Like, you know, at the end of the day, we're all just doing what we can. So let's just do what we can and and can what we do. Am I right? Uh, So I don't know what I'm talking about at this point. Anyway. Uh, I am, if I, if I sound distracted at ladies and gentlemen, just know that I am currently watching my Patriots take on the Rams in a super important game. It's, it's second and goal already for the Rams. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm probably going to be talking about it a lot, but that's what we do here. We watch sports, we talk about them and we're sad about our teams. Anyway, uh, as always follow us on Facebook, two beers, plead podcast on Instagram, you have two beers, please. Underscored podcasts. Follow the Twitter account that Matt runs. He's always got the hot takes on there. Always kind of commenting on the day to day actions of the of the world of sports at the number two BP underscore podcast. That's number two BP underscore podcast. Uh, yeah, and follow us on Spotify, on Anchor, on Apple Podcasts, on your mom's ham radio, wherever you can find us. Listen to us. We got the news every day and every week. So we're uh, we're excited to be back. Season three up and running. And uh, I'm going to kind of take one of Matt's um, Matt's little segments that he did uh, last week. And we're going to make that a tradition, I think, going forward. So I'm going to do a this is the turn of phrase segment. And my turn of phrase for you today, Matt, is the last straw. You know, when you're when you're 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 getting you're you're getting in a fight and she says, that's this is the last straw. I can't I will I will not deal with this anymore. Well, that phrase, believe it or not, traces back to 17th century England or Scotland, depending on where you look or what historian you're listening to. Uh, And what it refers to is basically that uh, a rich man can put all of his straw on a camel to try to hoard it all away to to, to a location to be kept. But eventually, one of those straws is going to be the last straw that breaks the camel's back. And that is kind of what it means. It's basically like... You can pile on and pile on and, and 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 overdo it with everything in life. It's basically it's the law of of moderation, right? Like you can pile on, but eventually it'll be the last one. And then when it's the last one, it's the last one. And so uh, small things can be small things, but any pile too great will break you under pressure. That is what the phrase "the last straw" means. I like I like that you were like, and then she says the last straw. <laughs> <laughs> We know we all have that at least, uh, you know, in a relationship of time being like, oh, yeah, I've I've heard that one before. I I think what's kind of interesting about about this one and even like the 
hair of the dog. Cause like now we just say like the last straw or like, we just say like hair of the dog where it, it like it was the hair of the dog that bit you or the last straw that broke the camel's back. Like even these like little phrases and such, we've even shortened them up like shorter into just like even smaller little meanings and stuff, which I find very interesting. Right. Yeah. The evolution of language is definitely really interesting. Uh, Rams just scored a touchdown, whatever. Uh, Anyway, but yeah, etymology of the lang of of the of words is interesting. And you also the what was interesting to me was like I've heard the last straw that broke the camel's back separately, and like for some reason I didn't connect the two, even though they're very similar. Like I Same. just the last Yeah, so it's interesting that those became almost two separate things, you know? Like I, yeah, it's just really interesting how that happens. And that's why we do it because Language is weird. The English language, especially, it makes no sense. And uh, we're here to cover it for you so that you can impress your friends, uh, impress that date, you know, make sure that she gives you another chance. That's what this when, is all for. When she says, this is the last straw, you can be like, well, you know, actually, uh, honey, I I know the etymology of that phrase. Why don't you sit down and let me tell you? I'm sure that'll that'll cool, cool her right off. I, I think uh, don't listen to listen to us with NFL picks. Maybe not with like women and <laughs> women advice. I don't, think that's probably don't listen to me on any of that. I yeah. I mean, uh, I yeah. I'm I'm getting out of breakup, so really don't listen to me on that. I am I am I am the I am the the bears of 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 this right now. You know, I started off so strong, five and zero, and now I'm 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 reeling. I'm I'm in the <laughs> I'm I'm dropping off. And I got Trubisky in my back pocket. That's what that's what it is. It's it's a really uncomfortable time. Then I'm then I'm the Lions. I've I've never been good. I've I've got some bright points here and there. You know Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, but for the most part, just just no success. Woof. Well, starting <laughs> up strong. Anyway, uh, let, that's a perfect segue. How are we feeling, Matthew? <laughs> are you hey, feeling? I'm I'm doing well. I like I like being the Lions. Don't get me wrong. That's not me uh, complaining about my my situation. The Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnsons of my life have have been just wonderful. But uh, I'm well. I uh, I recently started watching The Crown, and I actually oh. got to see the play that it's based on while I was in London. Peter Morgan's The Audience, which that that entire play is just different meetings between Queen Elizabeth II and the different prime ministers during her reign. Uh, and the, those meetings were called audiences, hence the name. So I've always wanted to watch the show to see like how, how, to, how Morgan has expanded the, the play from, from being, you know, just these kind of two people uh, scenes and stuff and into the whole story. And then, you know, there's, there's no, uh, it's not a hidden fact that I'm a bit of a history geek. So, uh, I think I was almost delaying watching it because I knew I would just become obsessed. And that has, in fact, been the case. Uh, it's also the first time I've gotten to watch my namesake, Matt Smith, who I have to admit has just he's, he's tremendous. Uh, him and Claire Foy, really all the actors are they do a fantastic job, terrific writing. So really enjoying that. And I'm watching it with my dad, which is kind of nice because it helps me pace myself. Otherwise, I feel like I would just fly through the episode. But uh, I'm doing well and, and want to wish uh, happy Hanukkah. As the holiday begins this evening to uh, to all of our friends of the Jewish faith, right? That's really great. Yeah, Happy Hanukkah. Um, it, it's it's a holiday. I I know. Th I think I know less about. Uh, I I'm not Jewish, and so I I know less about than I think I should. Like I've always known Hanukkah was a thing, but I I don't think I could explain Hanukkah to you. I really don't. <laughs> I I know I know the the bare 
you know, it, during, at, at Catholic school, we there we had like a world religions class where we <laughs> learned a decent amount about like Judaism and and Islam because you know Christianity and Islam and Judaism are. <laughs> They are uh, very similar, but you know, don't don't tell those three religions that, or they might get a little upset. Right? Oh my goodness, you had a world religion class in Catholic school. That seems counterproductive to the idea of Catholic school. That well, seems- you know, you got you got to learn amazing. about you got to learn about everything. That well, hey, that's I love it. No, I absolutely love it. I just it's not what I would expect. So I mean, real real good. You there. don't okay. you don't do it to like senior year, and so you know you get like fifteen years of of just. Catholicism before you you get to that one. So they make sure that they really, you know, uh, try to try and sell you on Catholicism before they introduce anything else. <laughs> All right. And world and world religions probably isn't fair either. It's basically just like Islam and uh, and uh, Judaism because they're similar to Christianity. So world religions probably isn't the uh, the apt most apt name for the class. Hey, you know what? I'll take it regardless. All right. Let's go to the local pub, my friend. What are we drinking tonight? It's a Thursday night. Are we doing a thirsty Thursday? Are we killing it? Or what are, what are we drinking today? Well, I just got my run in with my new running shoes. So yeah, I got I have a Confluence Gosa, a Gosa uh, style sour ale. Always love a love Gosa. That. And uh, it's called The Wizard. And then they named it this apparently because when, when beer was first being brewed and humans didn't really understand the entire science behind it, Confluence figures it, it must have seemed a bit magical. So it's got a, a citrus-like tartness and minerality that awakens and refreshes your palate with each sip. And I can tell you that's it's a pretty accurate description. It's a it's a good beer. What do you what do you sip it on? Oh, you know, for the Patriots game, I had to go with a classic Sam Adams. Go with a Boston oh, beer. I love that. Go with a Boston beer. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, it's not working right now. We're losing, but you know, the game's still young, and uh, so is this beer. It's still very fresh. So we'll we'll see. We'll see how it progresses, but uh, yeah, some good choices both here. I feel like might we not, all, we might have, not be your only Sam Adams, is is what you're uh, hinting at, right? Yeah, regardless, it might not be my only Sam Adams. You guys should see me anytime a Patriots game is close. You guys should see me. I I become a monster. I remember the Ravens game when the Ravens had like we were winning against the Ravens, and they had like forty five seconds to like go down the field and possibly score to win the game. And I became somebody that I did not recognize in the mirror. My roommate came home and all he saw was me crouching on all fours, looking at the TV going, you think he can go 90 and not 48, Lamar? You think he can do that against the pants? Against the pants? Dude, my my family like almost refuses to watch Packers and Hawkeye sports with me because I, I think I've gotten a little better as I've gotten in, into old age. Uh, but I, I have to admit, I'm not the most enjoyable person to watch games with if they're not unless they're going well and then you know i'm a blast but uh even like the iowa game like even when we were up like 15 on north carolina like i'm just i was standing up walking around like just a nervous wreck i i need to see somebody about that (laughs) right me too no 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 i'm the same way i'm the same way my my i grew up with like a family that like made me love sports and now when we watch sports they're like Yannick, don't scream or like Yannick, calm down. And my I'm mom's like, always like, you're being too critical. And I'm like, well, he should have made the cut. I don't know what you want me to do, mom. The play was, was right like, there. Make the pass. I'm sorry. I didn't realize we were watching Iowa play a scrimmage game. This is real life, people. This matters. <laughs> I want to win the game. Yeah, I was like, I'm you glad, I'm glad that we share that. Yeah, that's why. Okay, me and Matt, we we watch games together, but we don't watch each other's games together. I don't remember watching. No, we really don't. 
because you've said and I've said at the same like at different times I don't want to watch this game with you because I'm a I'm a freaking wreck. Yeah, I don't like going like I don't like going out in public for like big game. Like you like sometimes I'll go to the the Hawkeye bar in New York, but like even then like I I like being in the comfort of my own home and and then like I'm cool with maybe having some people around depending on the game, but it it's like uh, I don't I don't know, it's it's not my best. It's not a great color on me at times. So, uh, you know, at right. least I can acknowledge that. Yeah, I acknowledge it, too. I remember for the 2014 World Cup, I watched a couple of the group games with friends. But as soon as we made the knockout rounds, I locked myself in my house. I was like, you will not see me with a Germany knockout round World Cup. I, I refuse to be around you because I am just I am just a sick man. I am like a man who, like, needs a fix just watching this game like like just like I get shaky, I sweat, I get angry for no reason, I lash out. I I just it's really bad. Dude, like soccer too. I feel like soccer might be the most nerve-wrecking sport because it's just like things can just like change in a moment, like in an instant and like you're just like if the ball bounces this way, then we're down two goals. Like it can be so Sometimes I'm like, why am I such a fan of this sport? It's not It's like why do I do fantasy football? This is just torture it. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. It's, fantasy football is so fun, but once you're in it, you can't enjoy football anymore. No, like, not at all. <laughs> Sundays you, suck. Because you're just like, because you're like me, right? You're just like, okay, well, you know, it'll be fun to watch, you know, Travis Kelsey play, and I don't really care about this game, but Travis Kelsey will play, and then I'll win the game. And then you watch Tyreek Hill catch one, you know, you have a 200 yard first quarter and you lose the game and you're like, well, I don't want to watch sports ever again. So I'm done. Yeah. Thank you. I don't care anymore. All right, let's move on though. Uh, going to the warm up section, getting the muscles like going for the conversation. But first we're going to fly in. There's a fly in my beer, Matthew. There's a fly in my beer. And let me tell you what it is. And you know what? We're losing the Rams right now, but the game's not over. And like you said, we have a chance. So the question for me is, Here's the question. When Tom Brady was leading the Bucs to a ridiculous record and when the Patriots were falling flat on their faces in the beginning of the season, how many articles and how many reporters did we have to go through about, see, maybe it was Brady. See, this is Brady showing it was Bill. See, yada, 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 yada. Now that the season's moved on, Patriots have recovered, kind of find some of their groove. Not saying they're great, but they have recovered compared to what we thought they might be at the beginning of the season, we thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be a three and 13 team. Now they're six and six with a chance to make the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Bucks might not make the playoffs. They really might not if they keep losing and no, and Brady's throwing interception after interception. But I looked it up. You know, the last time an article was written about the Brady Belichick debate, November 14th, it hasn't been written about. Nobody wants to take that back. Nobody wants to make the other conversation of maybe we spoke too soon. Nobody wants to give Bill any credit, and I'm sick of it. I'm not saying you have to say it's him because I understand the Patriots aren't winning the AFC East. You know, it's it's not like that. But you can't just make those statements after four fucking games about Brady and then not have some kind of my bad afterwards. I just think it was far too premature and a dumb argument regardless. And now that Brady's doing bad, he gets all the fucking, well, it's Bruce Arians. Well, it's everybody else. Well, 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 well. And I'm like, Bill's not even on the field. He can't even throw the ball himself. What is he supposed to do? So uh, where's the love for Bill after turning this Patriots team around? That's the fly in my beer today. 
Dude, I like I like that one. I um I think and like I've even thought about this like kind of today when I think I was watching just like Tom Brady and he had his TB12 thing on and like we're never gonna I don't think any football player will ever reach that like sort of success like Michael Jordan has with with the Air Jordan symbol like even Tiger Woods really hasn't but like we we do love like trying to like make just like these superstar athletes and I think like for football it's incredibly difficult because like yeah if you're gonna give it to anyone it probably could be the quarterback he's the only person that touches the ball every time but I've always I've always been a believer that I would rather take if I had to choose between Belichick and Brady, I would take Belichick because at the end of the day, Tom Brady's only on the field half the time. Like if the Patriots have a garbage defense these last 20 years, Tom Brady doesn't have six rings. Like there, there are a lot of other factors that have helped him. And I mean, I think I've said this before. I've, I've always been a staunch believer of, you know, crazy thought here, but could it be the fact that it was their partnership that was so good? Like, of course, maybe it's not just one or the other journalists. Like, it doesn't really have to be a mutually exclusive thing of like, oh, it was all because of him. Like, no, nah, I think it was because they both were they both were great. And it was a great partnership that has never been seen in the NFL for like that longevity, which I never understood why like people were like, well, we got to make a stand on it was either him or that. And like crazy thought here. It might just be that it was also a great coach and a great quarterback. Right, exactly. The conversation is so dumb in general, but I'm more mad about that. If you're going to have the conversation, you better have it both ways, right? Because like it, Brady started off well, and now he's thrown a billion interceptions. He can't, he can't find players. He's complaining about everything. You know, it's just like, you got to go both ways for me. If you're going to be a journalist and be true to the sport, you can make statements like that that are ridiculous and too early to make, but then you have to be able to go back on them as well. Like you have to live both parts of that truth well like you said like it, it they've they i guess they sort of have tried to go back on it but more of like giving brady the benefit of the doubt of just being like well this bruce arians offense isn't what brady should be in I'm like well is he the greatest football player of all time or isn't he because if he's the greatest football player of all time then i don't think this offensive system should hinder him all that much and i know that he is older it's not like brady's in his prime but like I feel like the greatest football player of all time would be able to figure that out. I, I might be wrong. I might be overhyping the greatest football player of all time and what their ability should be, but I, I would imagine they'd be able to to figure it out. I, I don't know. <laughs> right, exactly. Or they're even saying they're even going like, I remember I heard Greeny say something that I was like, are you serious? He was like, you know, we the question even remains like, was it Jameis Winston that was bad or was it Bruce Arians? I'm like, Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions. Bruce Arians didn't make him throw those terrible, terrible interceptions. He threw 30. They can't all be his fault. My goodness. That's ridiculous. And how like how much did we have to hear too about like, oh, Brady's down in Tampa working out in the offseason with all the guys, like everything's looking great and everything. Like how many stupid ass stories did we have to hear about that? As if I mean, first off, it didn't mean anything. I think we all knew it didn't mean anything. But if people tried to give credence to it, then why isn't that showing out now? Right, exactly. And all the talk about Mike Evans and him working out a billion times and the whole Gronk thing. And yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyway, that was a fly in my beer. So let's go to a little more of a happy situation. I'll let you start, start it off uh, because I have... I know you got some good stuff to say. So it's partner up time. Give us a shout out for the week. Yes. Well, first I have, I kind of have two shout outs here because we, uh, I, I received some wonderful news literally right before we uh, started recording this podcast. I have to shout out my, my good friends, Courtney and Thomas Miller. 
and congratulate them both on the birth of their baby daughter, Addison James Miller, this evening. Have all the faith in the world that they both will be tremendous parents and, and could not be happier for all three of them. So congratulations to the Millers. Um, and uh, I can't wait to meet little Addison. That's that dude. That's the crappiest thing about this pandemic is I have so many friends that have had like babies even just in the last like couple years, and I haven't gotten to meet so many of them, which is a real well, pain. You'll, you'll be the uncle that meets them all now. He'll be. He'll just have all of them in your hands to be like, ah, <laughs> dude. That's that's kind of my dream. That sounds great. I, I love. Know. I freaking love kids. I'm ready to have okay. like seventy. Uh, but uh, I will get. Okay. I will get uh, to my. Right. Yeah, I know. Um, I, my, my shout out for the week though, is to a, a Packers great Willie Wood. We've, we've lost a lot of great people this year. And sadly, Willie Wood was another one. He actually passed on February 3rd of this year. So it was a few months before we started doing our podcast, but be, I'd be remiss if I didn't give the trailblazer his due credit. Wood was a quarterback and a safety at Southern California. And in fact, he was the first black quarterback to play in the now PAC 12 conference. Of course, at the time, there was a lot of racial bias around the quarterback position, bias that is still there today, see Lamar Jackson. Uh, so Wood was looked over a lot in the draft and went undrafted. But uh, he was determined to make the NFL. He wrote letters to the Giants, 49ers, and Packers. They were kind of the only franchises at the time that had any history of really signing black players. And Wood got a tryout with Green Bay and was signed as a free agent. And at this point, as once he joined the league, he kind of decided just to focus on playing safety. And as a Packers fan, I'm sure glad he did. It paid off not only for him, but, but for the Packers. Wood went on to make eight Pro Bowls, five first-team All-Pro teams, and intercepted 48 passes over his 11-year career. He was a part of the dynasty that Green Bay built, winning the first two Super Bowls with the Pack and five NFL championships prior to that, before the Super Bowl was kind of created. Uh, his interception in Super Bowl one helped seal the game for Green Bay and is one of the all-time great defensive plays. So a shout-out and lots of love for the incredible player and trailblazer that was William Willie Wood. And as we say, rest in power. Rest in power indeed. Yeah, uh, uh, RIP to Willie Wood. And, ah, man, I hate that I have to do this right after you did that too. But uh, I also had a different shout-out for today. And then I learned some terrible news from the soccer world, uh, which I'm going to share now. Uh, earlier in the in the you know in the season, we talked about the passing of Diego Maradona and uh, you know what an impact he had in the 1986 World Cup. Uh, his performance in the 1986 World Cup is considered the second greatest individual performance by a player in the World Cup history. Today, we lost the number one uh, Italian striker Paolo Rossi, dead at 64. Just an absolute legend of the sport. Kind of redefined the striking position. Uh, you know, he had he he had some club successes uh, too. He had two Serie A titles, a European Cup and a Coppa Italia win with Juventus. But his performance at the 1982 World Cup is considered the greatest individual performance by a player in a World Cup ever. He won that World Cup with six goals. Going into the World Cup with Italy, he was written off as out of shape and kind of a crazy decision. But in the quarterfinals, he scored a historic hat trick and a 3-2 win over a tough Brazil side. Went on to the semifinals to score both goals and a 2-0 win over Poland. And then in a, in a game that was considered completely impossible for Italy to win, he scored a goal to help Italy win 3-1 over a tough West Germany side. Uh, he won the golden boot as well as the golden ball. So top striker and best player in the same tournament. And like I said, regarded as the best ever World Cup performance. 
He scored a couple additional goals in other World Cups, making him a, the joint top Italian scorer of all time in World Cup history, along with Roberto Baggio and Christian Vieri. Um, he's known as Plablito, you know, prayers going out to him all over the place. But yeah, we lost a really great striker today. People don't know about Paolo Rossi because he was not the kind of um, flashy player from the 80s that we would kind of remember, like the Maradonas. Um, but he was just a clinical striker as any and and what kind of, you know, the kind of player that Italian strikers have always kind of modeled themselves after ever since. And so, uh, you know, our, our thoughts go out to him, another legend that we lost too soon uh, in this year. Absolutely. A, a, a true, true legend. And I believe led in Italy there. That was their first World Cup win, wasn't it? Uh, I think they won a World Cup in like 1934. They've won oh, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They might have. They, the, your second one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they. I think they won back to back thirty four, thirty eight, and then they won eighty two, and they won two thousand six. So those are the four I believe that they have. So they had two really early on, but it was their first one in the modern era. And and truthfully, you look at the team that he beat, the West Germany team. That West Germany team, eighty two, they were in the finals. Eighty six, they were in the finals, and ninety, they won the finals. That team was ridiculous. So Italy went into that game completely the underdogs and 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 beat them and paolo rossi went into that world cup being completely doubted and not only played well but played arguably the best tournament that every any players ever played in world cup history so uh you know it you know we remember those performances and uh yeah just uh rest in power once again uh man losing too many legends this year honestly that's that's true yeah i i i I worded that wrong the first in the in the modern era i leon i always love in soccer uh, the, the measuring stick is always um, Germany or, or or Bayern. Hey, you know what? It's it's not my fault. My teams are good. All right. <laughs> well, they only won one of those World Cups, Jan. So you might be giving they them a little to too credit. Finals. They went to three uh, straight World Cup finals. They did that. They did that um, before they won in uh, 2014 too, didn't they? Uh, they went to no. Or no, they went they to they went, went to the fine. They went to the semis. Yeah. yeah. Right, but they went finals, semis, semis, finals, because they went 2002 to the finals as well. Yeah, Germany knows how to perform. I don't know what else to say. Anyway, let's do some wind sprints. Let's get out of the Germany talk before I annoy you. All right, we're going to quick cover some big Before I pick holes in your argument. Yeah, before before I get challenged on that. Uh, Anyway, um, you know, there's not a lot of big news to talk about, uh, you know, because we recorded yesterday, but there are some things. So I'm going to I'm just going to ask Matt his thoughts about it. Uh, number one, you have, we've talked about kind of the James Harden drama. Well, now he's added two more teams to his wish list, uh, to try to get traded to. He says he'd go to the heat or he would go to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Rockets have made it pretty clear that the only trade they're really looking at is the Nets trade. And that's only because they want KD or Kyrie. What are our thoughts on that? Do you think James Harden ends up at in Milwaukee or in Miami? I I think the only one that can legitimately happen is actually a team you didn't even mention. And I think it's Philly. I I'm not a fan of the Philly trade, but it, it's clear that like with the nets or with, with the Rockets wanting to go to the nets, they're not going to like the nets can throw a bunch of great pieces at them, but clearly that's not what the Rockets want. And, and I don't blame the Rockets for, for not doing that. Like in, in this league, you need superstars. So the bucks don't have any superstars besides Giannis. They're not trading him. The, the Heat have Jimmy Butler. I don't imagine they're trading him, and, and, and I don't really know if the Rockets would want, would want Butler. Not that he's not a great player, um, but I'm not sure. You know, he, he's not quite the one-man machine that, that Jimmy Butler is. And so I, I think Philly is the only one that, that I think could see happening because I think 
Ben Simmons has had his struggles, but I think he's still young. And I think from Houston's perspective, that is a superstar that you could still build around. So I, I, I don't think he's going to get traded this year at all that since they have him on contract through next year uh, and they've already made the Russell trade. I, I think Harden's going to be with Houston throughout this year. Um, but if, if any of the trades happen, I, I would imagine it would be Philly, but I don't think Philly really wants to to get rid of Simmons. I'm not sure. Like I think doc, maybe doc would say, yeah, let's do Harden and Embiid. But I think part of the re- reason, you know, doc wants to go there is that Joe, Joel and, and Ben are still pretty young. So you really could start building up uh, somewhat of a dynasty. If those guys play to the ability that, you know, they've shown at times. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think he gets traded at all, but if there's a team I see him going to, it is Philadelphia. Right. And I think he kind of, I think he knows that any of the teams before today that he mentioned that his team doesn't want to trade in there. That's why he's adding teams. You know, first it was, I want to go to the nets and they're like, only if we get KD or Kyrie. And he's like, well, yeah, that's not going to happen. Okay. I want to go to the Sixers. And then probably, you know, they said, I don't know if that's going to happen. So he's just keep adding teams and he wants out. And, you know, it's, it's going to provide a really a headache situation for everyone in Houston. Um, but we'll see what happens with it. I agree. I don't think he gets traded. I think there's just, there's just too much going on there. Uh, and I just don't see another team giving up what they need to, because they want Harden that much without, I the think, piece of- I think if he's still determined to leave next year, they'll probably trade him eventually because it's like, might as well get something before we get nothing. But right. why you've got, why you've got him on contract for two years. Like it, there's, there's really no reason for Houston to trade him unless, unless they really want to. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, let's move on to another player uh, who had some uh, who made some noise today. It was Paul George. Yes, we're talking about the Paul George that couldn't hit a shot for the Clippers in the playoffs, but he gets a max deal in Los Angeles. Five years, two hundred twenty six million dollars guaranteed at full max capacity anyway. I mean, he says he owes the Clippers a, a a a championship, and that's all well and good. And he says he wants to retire a Clipper, and that's all well and good. But what what is this? Is this deserved? I mean, is this deserved for Paul George? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think I think he he was going to get a max contract from from somebody, and I think the Clippers making those trades for or making the trade for him and and getting Kawhi, you. I mean, they might not keep Kawhi, but if they lost both those players, I think it would be a bad look for a team that's trying to start an, a new era. So it, it might seem like a lot, but like, I mean, there's been plenty, there's been worse players than Paul George that have gotten a, a max extension. And while he was, you know, certainly struggled in the playoffs, I mean, the, the Indiana Paul George was incredible. Like there, there's times where Paul George really is an incredible player. So I think, and I think too, like, Last year, everyone was like, all right, Clippers are going to get it done. And I don't know why anyone expected, like, whenever these teams collab, like, come, come together like that, the first year is never the greatest, you know, iteration of what they are. So I, I think it was a deal that, that LA kind of had to do. And I, I, I think overall, Paul George has, has deserved that, uh, that contract. Like, I, I think it's a little, I mean, yeah, he needs to perform in the playoffs, but I think it's a little unfair to just, judge him on that that series with the nuggets especially when paul george wasn't the only person on that team that that let the team down that's true yeah i i i don't i don't know if i would say yeah i i would say the clippers had had a decision to make you're right they had to give him this max deal that might be too much or they had to let them go which they didn't want to so they thought rather give him more money than let him go and uh yeah i mean if if he, I mean he's, I mean he's he's talking a lot right now. I mean he's all over social media saying 
you know, I'm on Kobe's ass. Like I, I, that's the mentality I live by all of this stuff about, you know, what he's going to do for the Clippers. So all fine and good. Patriots got a pick, baby. Take it back. Take it back to the house. That's a pick six, baby. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, but that's what happens when you watch the Patriots game during it. Um, anyway, but yeah, I definitely think that, uh, uh, they had to make a choice here and I definitely think it was something they had to do rather than was deserved or not deserved. It's a hard question to ask for sure. And you're right. The Clippers failed as an organization in that playoffs. Like they didn't fail. Paul George didn't fa- Paul George was never going to do, do win that game. Like everybody had to win that game. And Kawhi also disappeared plenty of times. Exactly. Like it was like Paul George should have played better, but it, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like the entire Clippers played well and Paul George let them down. Like that, that entire team was not looking good. And I, you know, I, I kind of, wonder it, it kind of remains to be seen if, if Kawhi and Paul are, are a great fit together I think that they might not be a, a terrific fit together and and we know Kawhi will move anywhere at any time if he wants to he, he's gonna do whatever the hell he wants so I think knowing that you can like, like Kawhi is such a question mark still I think for them that knowing that you're like all right we can at least get Paul George have him locked down like it is a lot of money but that's that's the name of the game and like it's somebody was going to offer it to him and, and to, to lose, if, if in two years' times they didn't have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, then Steve Ballmer and all this momentum that he's bringing to the Clippers takes a few steps back. Yeah, I agree. It's like, yeah, I agree. I, I, I just agree with you there. So good for there. And the last news is the Phillies have hired a new president of baseball operations. It is Dave Dombrowski. The Dave Dombrowski, former Red Sox executive who won the World Series with the Marlins and the Red Sox in 2018. Uh, I mean, a great a great hire for them. Obviously, got fired just the next season after after the Red Sox were abysmal in that season and in the middle of a scandal investigation. Uh, so with this hiring, you know, Phillies they've been doing so many moves and 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 they obviously got the big uh, Bryce Bryce Turner signing that kind of was like, oh, you know, uh, Bryce Harper. Sorry, Harper. not Bryce Turner. Bryce Harper signing. Yeah, was like, oh, you know, they're a contender. And they have so many players. Uh, they got Jake Arrieta, obviously, from the Cubs. And, and and they started trying to build their pitching staff as well. Um, do you think that Dave Dombrowski can lead the Phillies to a series title in the next couple of years? Or do you think the Phillies still have too far to go to expect that of him? I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a tough a tough kind of question to ask, especially for a guy like it's not it's not similar to the Marlins that he took over. Uh, and even the, the Red Sox, like it, it's not like the Phillies it doesn't feel like they're that far away. Um, and he certainly is a, is a president that knows how to, to make a, a team and, and create a roster that can, can win a world series. But I think, you know, the biggest thing for the Phillies right now to me, wasn't needing a new president of operation. I guess maybe it is because it just seems like a lot of the guys, the people they've, they've picked up including Bryce Harper haven't performed quite as much as they were expecting them to. So uh, to me, it's more that those players need to perform a little better. But I guess maybe that's where you say, all right, we need a president who, if this guy isn't working, is, is going to be able to, to say, all right, let's make some deals. Let's, let's get somebody else. Let's get them out. Let's get somebody else in and, and, and really build that team. So maybe that, that is part of it. Um, but, uh, I, the, I mean, the Phillies should be right there. And, and you get a guy, like, as frustrating and as, you know, annoying as Bryce Harper can be at times and, like, he really isn't like that overhyped. He he really is quite a damn good baseball player. So um, yeah, I, you know we'll see if, if this is if this is the move that helps create that team. But but for me, it's just like I, you know the guys that you've you've gotten 
need to perform a little better. But uh, maybe the new president will get some of them out and get guys that will perform. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the Phillies organization, you know, and I think Philadelphia could use a team that's not completely inept lately. So I, I think that that's probably a good thing for them to have. Uh, okay, well, we've done the warm up and it's time for the apartif uh, section of our podcast where we go through a couple different sports real quickly before we get to the meat and potatoes. Uh, just an update, the pick six was ruled off the interception stands, but they are having to actually move down the field, which I'm worried about. Anyway, uh, let's, let's... That's why you're so excited. You're like, sweet, keep it out of the offense's hands. Right, I was like, let the defense do the work, honestly. That's what all I can hope for. All right, Matthew, we had some college basketball uh, this week. We got college basketball coming up. Lead us through the world of college hoops. You got it. Uh, you know, we already talked UNC Iowa, so I don't think it's too necessary to go over that again, as much as I'd love to, but... Lots of other big matchups this week. You had number six, Illinois, going up against number 10, Duke. And, you know, the Illini really manhandled the Dukies. They won the game 83-68. to 68. Illinois was up by double digits basically the entire game and, and never really had the victory in doubt. So, of course, it's a nice win for Illinois, but to me it, it just told us a little more about Duke, and, and that is that they aren't very good. I, I legitimately think that Duke has a chance on missing out on the NCAA tournament this year. I, I know it's early. But I'm I'm just not sure who can lead this team. It's a pretty it's a pretty underwhelming freshman class just in general, just like nationwide. Cade Cunningham's getting a decent amount of talk in Oklahoma State, but there's not those normal like this freshman, that freshman. Like even Kentucky's struggling, the team that you know relies on a lot of freshmen. So the freshman class is underwhelming. They don't really have that normal veteran leadership of old. Uh, but what upsets me most is perhaps that after the game, Coach K came out and and now apparently has concerns about college basketball being played. And I think it's a little upsetting because in August, Krzyzewski came out and said that the NCAA can't afford to lose the NCAA tournament again. But after two pretty big losses, it seems that Coach K isn't as enthused about the season. Now, I'm never going to fault anyone for wanting to protect the lives of others, and we are certainly allowed to change our minds when, when given more information and examining things a little bit differently. But the timing of the comments just seem a little whiny, you know? Like, perhaps I'm being tough on Coach K, but, like, you get your butt handed to you by Michigan State and and uh, Illinois, and and then you're like, you know, maybe we shouldn't play basketball. It, it, like if he had come out a couple days later, like not even just the post game of of the game, I think it would have looked a little better. So, but regardless, I mean, they, they've canceled the rest of their non conference games. They'll play Notre Dame next on Wednesday, but I, I really think Duke is going to struggle this year, and I think there's a good chance they miss out on the NCAA tournament. What 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 did you kind of take from those Coach K comments? I, I, I agree with you. I think it's absolutely whiny. There's nothing that's happened to him or his team that makes me think that it has anything more to do than that. Uh, you know, maybe maybe I'm also being hard on him, but, <clears throat> you know, I think Duke looks like, you're right, they look like the worst Duke team that's played in 20 years. So I just think that that probably is not a coincidence. And, you know, it reminds me of the LSU news that came out today where they're like, you know, we're going to put a self-imposed ban on bowl games, you know, just you know, in, in coordinates with the investigation going on. I'm like, yeah, you weren't going to a bowl game. Like, like come on. Like, good for you. You're so – Yeah, you're so, exactly. You're so moral. Oh, my goodness. Like, You're no. just trying to make sure that national championship doesn't get taken away from last year. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I think it's a bunch of – oh, Cam, what are you doing? Why are you throwing that? Uh, come on, Giannis. Stay focused. I'm trying. All right. So, yeah, I, I agree, though. I think Coach K is is definitely 
Um, I think he's just being a little bit of a whiny little boy, uh, which is fair. He's, he's, he's having a rough season. And, and like, I understand the, you have like this situation to kind of blame things on, but at, at the same time, you're coach K like you've had the plethora of everything, your whole career, G- get it together. My, my dude, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume it's easier on coach K and Duke than it is on a lot of teams. So, and then, you know, like, like we said, like maybe, maybe it is, actual like real concern and he's taking a look at the landscape but really you look at it and you're like what's the impetus of of what has changed for you coach k and the only thing at least from the outside looking in it's that your team doesn't look that good so it it certainly feels whiny but a nice win for illinois regardless um another big top 10 matchup this week actually on tuesday as well i've been high on creighton all year and the jays got their first big test when they played the jayhawks this week it was number eight against number five down there in allen Fieldhouse. And I really thought it was a great showing by both teams. I don't think either of those teams should leave the game holding their head like low. I think they both still look as good as as we thought they could. Uh, Blue Jays had a chance to send it into overtime when when Marcus Zigarowski was sent to the free throw line after a pretty questionable foul call on a three. But you missed the last one, giving KU the win. I think Creighton maybe should be disappointed a little bit because – they kept shooting themselves in the foot by not finishing defensive possessions, either by not securing rebounds or getting just like sloppy with the ball and turning it right back over, which gave Kansas second chance after second chance. But again, I think both teams look really strong. And, and I still think Creighton looks I think Creighton looks better than, than Villanova. And I, I, they're still my favorite in the Big East. Um, already talked about Illinois Duke, Big Ten, able to win the Big Ten ACC Challenge only by six to five after they were up six to one after day one. I think the Big Ten did prove it's the best conference in basketball, but it doesn't seem as deep as in prior years. Like there's been times like even last year where up to like 12 teams in the big 10 have a legitimate shot at making the NCAA tournament. And I don't really see that this year. Uh, the top of the league is ridiculously good, but I, I don't think it's going to be quite a, as deep as, as we've seen from the big 10, but uh, I do still think it's the best conference. Would you agree with me there? I agree with you. I think the big 12 is the only other conference I'd really be worried about in terms of that. And I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, and they got K State and Iowa State, so yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I just there's some teams like Indiana, you know, th- that I expected to be better that now have two losses, you know, already, and so yeah, there's some teams that have disappointed a little bit that I think could, can have a more impact. So it's going to depend on how they go through the season, but I definitely think Big Ten, you know, with Illinois, you know, with Iowa, with Michigan State, I mean, you got to give it to them. It's it's it's. I think the the talent is there, even if it's not as deep as one would hope or it has been in the past. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it really, really exciting to watch the big 10, you know, do, ball it out. And uh, basically what it means is the Hawkeyes won that challenge for the big 10, which I will take. Heck yeah, we did. I thought, I think Indiana will be fine because their two losses are still only to Texas and Florida state. So they lost to good to two good teams, but um, I was sh- like Maryland got kind of spanked by Clemson. That, that one shocked me, but Penn state also spanked Virginia tech and I was kind of high on them. So it's still early in the season and, you know, yeah. kind of like football, there's not going to be quite as much non-conference play. So it'll be, it'll, it's going to be tough to, to gauge where everyone is at. Uh, one more little quick stop at college basketball, three games to watch this weekend. We got Florida going up against the aforementioned Florida state ranked 20th right now, two undefeated teams and what I consider an extremely underrated basketball rivalry. I think they're both known as such football schools that, they're both just two underrated basketball programs. Uh, and this game has been used as, as a catapult for both teams in previous seasons to really take off. So a chance for both Florida teams to make a statement Saturday. Number 19, Richmond 
takes on number 11, West Virginia. The Spiders have already beaten Kentucky and Northern Iowa this year and really are always a terrific program. So they'll face a tough test against the Mountaineers, but a big opportunity for them to get another out-of-conference resume builder to, to you know aid in their seed come tourney time. And then also mentioned Texas. They go up against Baylor. It's, it's a big Big 12 conference matchup already this Sunday. Can the Longhorns really compete in the Big 12? Uh, it's on the road. It's in Waco. So I, I don't think Texas necessarily has to win this one to, to prove to me at least that they're contenders in the conference. But they've got to at least get you know keep it close. Uh, they've gotten close wins against UNC and a close loss to Villanova. Uh, and for Baylor, it's, it's just going to be interesting to watch again to see how that offense keeps looking. If it resembles the one against Illinois, this team is going to be a Final Four team without a question in my mind. So Texas, Baylor, Richmond, West Virginia, and Florida, Florida State are, are my games to watch this weekend in college basketball. Yeah, I love that. I, I especially like the Baylor game. I, I think, it, you know, they've proven to me that they're the team to beat. So now they just have to not lose to the teams they can't lose against. You know, they can't, they shouldn't lose to Texas. They are better than Texas. If they lose to Texas, then it makes me, you know, question not wh- whether Baylor can make the final four, but it makes me question, like, is there a team that can knock them out in the big 12? You know, is there a team that can do that? And so, uh, cause that'll definitely aid them come tourney time. If they're the one seed, that's what they want. So, uh, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see lots of good college basketball. Obviously, there was some more college basketball that we could have looked forward to that uh, won't be happening uh, because of a lot of COVID concerns, which is upsetting. But we will take what we can get and uh, we will now move on to another sport. We will move on to soccer because we got some good games this weekend, my friend. We got some good games. I'm going to go through them really quickly uh, just because, yeah, we can move through those quickly. You've got the hey, man. Yeah. We got the Manchester Derby. That's Let's right. Go! We got the Manchester Derby. Matt Matt is over the Champions League loss. He is ready to have his heart broken again. He is he is fully there for us. Uh, Man United in sixth place with nineteen points. Manchester City in seventh with eighteen. Uh, you know, it, it, it's an interesting place to find both Man City teams in. Uh, and you know, Man United obviously having a worse off week than Man City did. Man City topping that group, Man United going out in heartbreaking fashion. And it, I don't know. <clears throat> it, it, it remains to be seen what these teams can do this Premier League season. I, I, it's still early, but it's not that early. You know, you have Tottenham is doing really well. Leicester is doing really well. And, and teams are kind of solidifying, solidifying themselves up there. Liverpool still doing really well. So, Matt, give, give, me, give me a prediction. First of all, who do you think wins the Manchester Derby? And and who do you think needs the win more? I mean, I think no question Manchester United needs to win more. Certainly, I, I I think I would probably say that even without the um the result this week going down. But you know, I've 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 kind of defended honestly City and Man U before. If if, if Man U or City gets the win this weekend, they they both go back to the top four, and and United would only be two points back of of Tottenham. So it like. Having they've always had a, a game less played than than the other teams up top, so their positioning always looks a little worse. But really, they're right there in, in the title race, and and certainly in the race for a Champions League spot again. But I think particularly after the the result this week, Man United needs to win, and I think Man United needs to win because Man United beat Man City in both matches last year. Like the, the, this team has shown that they can beat Manchester City, um, and we and we know that Manchester City kind of historically doesn't do as well against the top six. They they are incredible against every other team and they beat them five nil 
But against the big boys, Manchester City disappoints a lot. So I think for Manchester United, uh, you, you, you got to get the win. And you're at home. Like maybe if it was at the, the Eddie Head, I'd say, ah, go get a tie or whatever. But you're at Old Trafford. I think you need to get the win. And, and the win puts you right back in, not only the Champions League race, but in, in the title race. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about Ole needing to go. I think I think he, his backs would be packed if he follows up a Champions League loss with a with a bad result against Man City. I think that that kind of that is a back to back thing that's going to be hard to get over. Uh, but yeah, it'll be exciting to see who can pull out the win there. Obviously, both of them in the title race and in the race close with each other. So it's going to be an important game uh, come the end of the season already. Uh, you also have Everton playing Chelsea this weekend. Everton obviously had a great start, but they have, you know, won one in their last five. They're currently in ninth. Meanwhile, Chelsea, great Champions League result. They're in third in Premier League. They're flying high. Lampard has this team. You know, Everton, they need a point here in order to not, like, completely fall off the the top, you know, six conversation because every other team is is performing well right now. And uh, I don't know. What do you think Everton's chances are against Chelsea? Man, if you would have asked me that a month and a half ago, it, it would have been a, a very different answer. But they they look like a completely different team. Like it, they were they were really fun to watch at the start of the season. It looked like, you know, because Everton is, is another you know historically club that's like it's not you know the Chelsea, Man United, Liverpool's, but but they're right there, and uh, they've been disappointing the last half decade or so. Uh, so I, I think Chelsea's really starting to get in form. I think Lampard, as, as we already talked about, just Champions League-wise with Timo Werner and Kai Havertz and, and those guys, Pulisic getting uh, healthier and stuff. I think Chelsea's feeling feeling their loins, and, and Everton is is looking quite different. Like It's it's two teams that form-wise are going in completely different directions, so I, I think Chelsea wins this one easily. Yeah, ball doesn't lie in that one. Ball doesn't lie. So I think that Chelsea has an easy win here. I think it'd be a big shock if Everton got a point. Honestly, I think Chelsea should pretty much clean the house with them. Uh, another derby we got on the weekend cards. It's the Madrid derby. It is Atletico versus Real. It's a good game to look forward to, and it, it is an important one. Both teams got wins on the final day to secure Champions League knockout round play. Atleti currently in La Liga is six points ahead of Real Madrid in fourth place atleti obviously in the top pole position it's a real test for atletico can they truly win la liga this year this is where they really start their campaign is with a win uh against los los galacticos what do th- what do we think can they get it done can they get the three points i don't think one point is enough i think they need to win here they need to really put real madrid off the pace See, I think a tie is is just fine for Atletico, just because Real doesn't look Real and Barca don't look that daunting, and and I think Atletico is, I mean, Atletico is just going to get one zero victories here and there. So I, I see a one one tie. I think a win would be. I think a, I think if Atletico wins, then this season might already be wrapped up in La Liga because of just the way they they play and the the lead they will build not only a, a you know just from first to second but over. Real and Barcelona, but I'm going to go. I think it's going to be a one-one tie between the two, um, and and I personally think that that's enough for now because Real just doesn't look that scary, you know. Yeah, I guess for me, I always give a benefit of the doubt. They're they're not scary right now, but you know they did perform against Gladbach. They didn't. They could. They could have not, and they did. You know, and so for me, it's like when you have an historically good team like that. Um, Keeping them around is scary for me. So while I don't think Atletico needs 
like it's not like Dortmund needing the win against Bayern in order to win the Bundesliga, but it does make me feel like in order for me to feel better about their chances, I need the win. I, I feel like the tie is going to keep Real Madrid right there until the very end, and then anything is possible. You know, I think they, they want the win right now. But even it, but it, Atletico ties and then wins their next game because then they both will have played 11 or 12. Atletico would have a nine-point advantage on Real. Like I, they already have like kind of a, a solid – like it's not like it's, you know, one or two points. Like they got a six-point lead on them with a game in hand. So a win, I think – does do i mean i certainly agree with you where like the win is it's it kind of becomes the league for atletico to lose at that point but uh with with the the advantage they kind of already have on madrid i i think a tie i think a tie is fine i don't think they can afford the loss i think the loss gets real madrid back in it and probably after the win after the win with munching gladback and a win over atletico i think that that could be you know a turning point for real is i mean that's sometimes that's just all you need as a team to see a couple victories and and big victories in that way to to turn the corner for you so i i think i think atletico can afford the tie i'm not sure they can afford a loss though okay very good well we'll see what happens in the madrid derby um we already talked to mls cup finals that is this weekend crew versus sounders top teams clash in the mls you got rui diaz zardes ladero pedro santos you know we talked about it we think it's sounders game but just wanted to remind you all that that is this weekend and finally and I know what you're going to say. Don't give me a league uh, game, but I'm going to give you a league uh, game. It is PSG versus Lyon. PSG had to play Champions League at the midweek, and that game, as we both know, had a lot of stress involved in it. it. Involved two different days of performing, kind of a little bit. You know, they sit two points ahead of Lyon at the top of league. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not clear cut. You know, Lyon's not like, and and Lyon is not, is only getting to focus on that. So I just think it's a really interesting game. I, obviously, everybody expects PSG to win. I'm not saying they're going to lose, but it is a game to watch because PSG is not in their normal nine-point advantage at this point in the season. They're not. I'm not saying PSG is at any any risk of not winning Liga, but like Liga, uh, it, the fact that Lyon is in a position to make some noise is good. It's good for the team. I mean, It'd be nice to see the Liga be actually enjoyable to watch for a season. You know. Yeah, it would be great. I hope that Leon wins, and then I hope PSG, you know, is is falls to second. We have some stuff to watch, but obviously PSG doesn't care, so uh, they're fine with whatever. All right, well, that is the soccer to look forward to. Obviously, Bayern Munich plays this weekend, but I won't talk about that, you know, when I just mention it a little bit. Uh, and uh, something just, else that we got. Just reminding you, you guys, it's just a, just a tad bit. This is just, I'm just reminding you that uh, we play too, okay? Uh, but we got some, We, you know, we, we've kind of not talked about UFC for a while because we had such big fights happen, like back to back to back to back. And then we had like kind of a lull for a little bit. So we haven't really talked to UFC for a while. We do have a card that we're going to discuss and Matt's going to take it away. Matt, what do we got? UFC, Saturday. Yes, it has. We were we were getting so spoiled with just like the absolute stacked pay per views that like then once it started going back to like normal pay per views, I was like, oh yeah, it usually isn't like ten <laughs> great fights. Uh, but UFC two fifty six this weekend. I'm just going to talk about the, the kind of the two headliners from this this weekend. It's uh, the first one is a lightweight bout between Tony Ferguson and Charles Oliveira. Oliveira, pardon me, uh, in the that lightweight division. Tony Ferguson's first fight since losing to Justin Gaethje. And uh, Oliver is a, a good fighter, seven-match win streak for him. But, you know, we, I think Tony's going to come back with with a vengeance. We, we didn't get to see him at his best against Justin. 
clearly injured himself on a kick early on in that fight. And, and while Justin deserved the win, it, it wasn't a full strength Tony. And, and I, you know, he knows that. So I, I look for Tony to, to win this one with a knockout, win it with a little bit of style and, and kind of get back to that uh, Tony Ferguson that we know, know, yet, know that who he is. Um, just one, just one of the most like fun, enjoyable guys to, to watch fight in all of MMA. Um, so I think he bounces back with a win here over Oliveira. And then there's the flyweight, the main card, the big fight is a title bout. It's Devison Figueredo defending his crown against Brandon Marino. Figueredo has won his last four matches without letting either of them go the distance, including three submissions. But Marino also pretty damn good on the ground. He really made his come up. Uh, to the UFC with with a ground game that like earned him submission win after submission win, so I think it's it's sort of even on the ground. I still think Brandon probably wants to keep it on his feet a little more, and uh, I'm gonna go with the upset pick. I think Brandon Marino is gonna get the win, and Saturday night we will have a new flyweight champion in the UFC. Damn, that's a big call. I love it. I love it. Uh, I agree with Tony Ferguson. I think. You know, it was an unfortunate fight for him. Uh, I think Gaethje deserved the win, but, you know, it, it was not full strength Tony. So hard to put that on him. And I think he's the kind of guy, too, that wants to that wants to put that narrative behind him as soon as possible. And uh, excited to watch him fight again. And, yeah, I mean, I'm going to disagree with you. I think Davison Figueredo is going to get the win. Uh, and as as much as I think his opponent is 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 good on the ground, I think Figueredo's you know, proven. He's proven to us. Uh, that he that he can he, he's he's got some he's got some superhuman powers there in the submission game. Uh, I think maybe this one goes the distance. I think it maybe is not you know the same kind of fight we see, uh, and I think it's going to be a good title fight. Uh, but I think he defends his crown. But it's going to be exciting. I mean, I, it's some good fights this weekend, and excited to get. Oh, and we got some good fights coming up soon. So uh, it's, it's the God of War against the Baby Assassin. Oh, love that. Love that. That sounds like a Greek mythology thing. I love it, love it, love it. It really does. It does. Um, all right. <laughs> well, we got some college football coming up. I'm going to go really quickly through those. It's not too much exciting. Obviously, in the lead up to championship week, it, it, it's it's kind of a lull week, and we had a lot of games canceled, including Michigan versus OSU, which is usually a great rivalry match. Obviously, it wouldn't be this year, but it's always one to look forward to. Um, but uh, we have our Hawkeyes playing. They play Wisconsin. We thought this game was going to be big for us, but Wisconsin obviously hit by COVID so much, and they're 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Iowa ranks 16th after five straight wins after the 0-2 start. You know, really good for the Hawkeyes. Uh, and it's two teams that are very similar. You know, they got strong run defenses. They got young QBs with raw talent but make mistakes. Um, does, and it, the question remains, does the lack of games help or hurt Wisconsin in the long run? Uh, but regardless of that, I, I think Iowa's proven that they have the talent to, to win a grind battle like that. And I would be more worried about Iowa playing a team that's completely unlike them than playing a team that's like them because it, it is in their doghouse. It is in their wheelhouse to to play this game for four quarters. And it's in Ference's, you know, favor, I think. He's just used to playing these games. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be a brawl. Uh and, and I think Petrus will have to make a couple plays and 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 the game might rely on that. But Iowa. Six straight might happen. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's a worrisome one uh, because it it's true. Iowa and, and Wisconsin are they are like mirror images of each other, and except that Wisconsin's usually a better iteration. Like they usually are just a little better on the offensive line. They usually have a little better running back, a little better defense. And I think that that 
is probably true here. I think Wisconsin has the better defense. I think the offensive lines are pretty equal. So it's going to come down to if Petrus can make the throws. I mean, Wisconsin has – Iowa has dominated most of their rivalry games over the last, like, five years. Wisconsin's won seven of the last eight against the Hawks. Like, they have been spanking us, quite frankly. So it, it's going to come down to the quarterback play because Wisconsin's going to be able to, to step – they probably don't even really need to stack the box, but they probably will because – why wouldn't you against a team that isn't can't prove hasn't really proven that it, that's passing game is is that dangerous? Uh, his game against Illinois was easily his best one, and that that took a little time. You know, went fourteen down before before he decided to to find his accuracy. So Petrus is going to have to play. I mean, Iowa started open the week at a, a minus two favorite, and now Wisconsin is a minus one favorite. So clearly, most people think Wisconsin's going to win, and, and I I think if they were at full strength. I would be pretty, pretty terrified about this game, but you're right. The the COVID has, has really impacted the Badgers a lot. They should have beaten Northwestern. They, they should have beaten Indiana with a backup quarterback. The fact that they haven't been able to score more than 10 points the last two games certainly is in Iowa's favor. So I'm hopeful that Petrus makes the win. I, I'm, I'm going to pick our Hawks just to be a homer and, and because I want to, quite frankly. Um, but, uh, it's going to be a bat. It's going to be a battle. Like Wisconsin has our number. Like, like you said, we, we do the same things and they just always do it a little better, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. I'm hoping this is the one year I'll, I mean, it might be a asterisk next to it, but I'm hoping this is the year we break that because I'm tired of losing to Wisconsin. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Uh, and so we shall see. Uh, there's a couple other games. We got one, we got two ranked games going on here. The first one is Georgia versus newly ranked Mizzou. Uh, you know, Georgia obviously having some disapp- a disappointing season compared to what they could have had. Uh, but, does Zoo- but does Mizzou deserve to be right? I mean, they have three losses. They have lost, and granted, they're against Tennessee, Alabama, Florida. But you look at their wins against LSU, who's not really good this season, against Kentucky, who was a disappointment this season, against South Carolina, against Arkansas, who's been up and down. You know, obviously that offense is crazy, but... You know, it, it, it's, you know, does Mizzou deserve to be ranked? It, 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 I, I don't really know if they do. And so this being a ranked battle kind of as a joke to me, it seems like it should be an easy win for Georgia. What do you think? I agree. Uh, like, if, even if Missouri deserves to, like, deserves to be ranked or whatever, like, you know, being ranked 25th, 5th is uh, 25th, whatever that word is. Uh, like you're you're right there on the cusp. But, yeah, the, the you're right. The losses aren't bad. Like, 38 to 19 to Bama is certainly not bad. Uh, the Tennessee losses is, is not great, but the wins aren't all that convincing. Like LSU isn't a very good team. They only beat them by four, only beat South Carolina by a touchdown, squeaked by Arkansas. So I, I think they've, they've beaten the teams they should beat and like great job for Missouri. But I, I just, against a, a defense like Georgia, I, I don't think like, I, I think Georgia's going to roll pretty easily in this one. Yeah, as they should. And they should be embarrassed if they don't. All right. Well, you have Florida obviously ranked at the five, waiting for to see to see if they can have a chance of going in with their Heisman candidate quarterback. They play LSU this weekend. Another interesting game to watch. Obviously, LSU, I talked about having the self-imposed bowl ban with all the investigations going on. That that whole situation is a mess there. And uh, yeah, I think there's not much to talk about in this one. Florida is the clearly better team. It's just another chance for Trask to kind of pad the MVP stats. I mean, if you want to say something about that, you're welcome to. But I just thought I would mention it. I think Trask is going to get that one pretty easy. Throw another five touchdowns. Agreed. I, I uh, honestly, I, I, and I mean, it was shown. I think it was like the thirty point 
the line against Alabama was like the largest line by a defending champion. Like I maybe I didn't realize how much LSU has lost. And I know Joe Burrow was incredible and Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Like they certainly did lose a loss, but it still is like shocking to see how how poor this team is compared to uh, I mean they might have been the greatest college football team ever last year I, I think they have an argument for that and this year they're they're not good yeah and it, and it kind of it's like it's the difference between good programs and great programs right because Alabama and o- OSU lose their players every year as well and they're always still in the conversation uh and it's because they're built on that you know year after year after year and so it it, it does it does throw that question up in LSU's organization but even LSU normally does like I, I've never seen I've never seen LSU drop like like most of the time they're they're solid like I, I don't know the last time they've had they haven't had less than eight wins since 1999 like it, it's a program that usually is bounces back because they have great so it, like the fact that then their best team probably ever comes and the year after is the one year that you're not able to to kind of reload is is so strange to me yeah that's fair it's uh they got a lot going on there, so it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out with Ed Ogeron's team, uh, and 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 the kind of the the, the game that I'm looking forward to. Uh, it's a quarterback battle, and I think the, the the win is probably easier to pick than the quarterback battle. But it is number 17 UNC versus number 10 Miami. You got Derek King and Miami at three point favorites right now, but you got two big quarterbacks. You got Derek King, obviously, 20 touchdowns, four interceptions, over 2,300 yards throwing. And you got sophomore Sam Howell, 3,100 yards plus throwing, 26 touchdowns and six interceptions, two big gunslingers battling it out. Uh, you know, UNC, they're they're ranked at 17 after losses to FSU, UVA, and really good Notre Dame team. Uh, you know, I think they've shown that they unlike Mizzou, like they, that's why they're a little higher. They, they deserve that for sure. Uh, and yeah, I mean, do, do you think uh, Miami's lost one game? Obviously they lost one game and it was a game that they were not going to win. And so that's like who they are. And Derek King's a great quarterback. Do you think this is a, this is a possible upset for Miami? Yeah, I, I think I'm, I, I think I'm taking the Tar Heels. Um, okay. You and me, you and me talked about like Miami. We're like, ah, Miami's not getting any respect. Like they're eight and one. How are they 10? But like, None of those eight wins are, are really all that impressive. They did beat Virginia and North Carolina lost to Virginia. But when I look at these, like North Carolina certainly isn't extremely consistent. They shouldn't have lost to the Seminoles. They shouldn't have lost to the Cavaliers. But especially that Notre Dame game and, and just uh, I, I think it was the, the North Carolina State game. Like I think they look like the more complete team to me. Um, and, and I don't think like Miami, I think, has been favored, has been lucky in their their schedule as well to be eight and one and i think that's why they're 10 because you you really do look at like what they've done and you're like uh is it is it all that impressive so yeah i think the tar heels are going to go down to miami and get the win all right and as always at the end of the week we make our nfl picks obviously we heard from matthew that we were good last week so let's see if we can be good again although i know one loss i'm probably already getting in this in this card, uh, but we'll, we'll cover them anyway. Uh, obviously, a lot of exciting games in Week 14. Some absolute crucial matchups in the AFC, especially. Uh, I'll start us off just going with a Thursday night game to get it out of the way and early on, so you can hear it. Uh, Patriots playing the Rams on Thursday night football. Rams favored by four and a half. 
It's a vital game for both teams. Patriots need the win to stay in the AFC wildcard race, while the Rams need the win to stay on top of the NFC West ahead of the Seahawks and definitely ahead of the Cardinals at a little lower there. You know, I think Goff's – I thought – Goff's passing was going to be neutralized by a good Patriots secondary, and but that the running game, the three-headed monster running beast that we thought, I mean, that's happened, uh, would be doing well against the Patriots defense. Um, the real question is, can the can the Pats O-line, which has been pretty decent, hold against the man Aaron Donald, you know, the, the second uh, most, uh, the second in the sack leader position uh, in the NFL right now? You know, the Rams are... Uh, favored by four and a half, but you know, I, I think Belichick knows how to beat these Rams. He did it in the Super Bowl. I think he's going to do it again. I, I, I was going to going, I am still going with the upset close, close game win by three. Currently they're down 17 to three at the half, but you know, that's not, that's not impossible. Not impossible just yet. I'm a little worried about the offense having to make so much moves, uh, because that's not what we're good at. Uh, and 17 points might be already too much to overcome, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm staying true to what I had. I'm not going to change just because the game's going bad so far. So Pats get the upset win by a field goal. Yeah. And you, you realize you already broke your own rule. Anytime you expect the, the Patriots to, to do something good for you, they let you down. And anytime you've given up hope, you should have paid, you should have taken the Rams. You should have said it was going to be an absolute ass whooping. And then the Patriots would probably be up 17, zero, but, uh, you know what? alas, alas, what we do. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm going to uh, follow your top, your favorite team with with my favorite team, the Packers, taking on the Lions this weekend. Packers are favored by seven and a half. I absolutely hate this game, like every year. I, I swear the Lions have had our number far more than the Vikings or the Bears have in the last at least decade. Uh, like they just, I, I don't know what it is, and like I feel like most of the time the Lions don't really have anything to play for besides just like helping ruin our season and, and like screw up our, our seeds and, and then everything like that, which would happen if they to get this win. But Rogers Jones, Devonte right now, they, they just can't be stopped. So I think the Packers get the, the win 35 to 24 over Detroit. Yeah. I, you got to pick the Packers there. I agree. There's always those teams that mess everything up. It's the dolphins for the Patriots. They always mess everything up. They always mess everything up. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I would be shocked if the Lions, the way they've been playing, can can hold out a win against the Packers. But, you know, we've seen shocking things this season. All right, I'm going to go to the Broncos versus the Panthers. This is game's not important for anything. It's two 4-8 teams that are out of the playoff race, basically, who can end on a good note. Um, really, this one's pretty simple to me. The Broncos just had a tight game with the Chiefs, uh, and that's hard to do. And the Panthers, meanwhile, they thought they were going to get Christian McCaffrey back, and they won't. So for that, that, that reason alone... Uh, Panthers are favored by a field goal, but I'm going to give the Broncos the upset win by a field goal. I just think that they, you know, it, they, they could have two games ago. They had the awful, awful game where none of their quarterbacks could play. They got trounced by the saints. They could have come back in a game against the chiefs and also gotten trounced. Instead, they made Mahomes work at at least a little bit in that game. And so I think that defense is good enough to give Teddy some problems without, uh, McCaffrey. And I think Drew Locke is good enough to, to beat that Panthers defense, uh, and Melvin Gordon's also had like a nice little game against the Chiefs last last week. So I'm taking the Broncos by a field goal to upset the three point spread in favor of the Panthers. Nice. Uh, I'll go. I'll keep it in the the NFC North. The Bears game. They're going up against Houston. Texans are favored by a point. Chicago fans get to be reminded even more on on what they missed out uh, on as Deshaun Watson comes to town. The man is 
probably should be in the MVP conversation. He makes up for 89% of the Texans offense. And, and even without, you know, really any weapons, he's just an absolute beast. It just shows how good he is. And finally, Deshaun Watson apparently has even come out now and said, I want Eric bien to be my coach. So I'm glad he clearly was listening to me. Uh, yeah. Mostly it's just, it's such an obvious marriage. How can you not do it? So I think the Texans are, are going to get in the right direction there. Um, and meanwhile, I, I think, you know, as Eric Bieniemy leaves the offensive coordinator job at KC, the old offensive coordinator might be coming back because I, I think Matt Nagy will be uh, packing his bags pretty soon from Chicago. I got Texans winning this one, 27 to 20. Ugh, wow. Especially with the Texans having such a bad rush defense and the, and the Bears having David Montgomery, you would hope they can do something. But I agree. They just look so hapless. I would never put money on them. All right. I'm going to go to a game that should be a gimme. But the, this, this, these teams never play gimme games, do they? It's the Titans versus the Jaguars. Two teams that, if you listen to the, the best podcast, one and eleven team ever, right? If you listen to the podcast, you don't bet against the Jags, and you don't bet for the Titans. So, really, what do you bet for? Don't bet on this game, please. Um, but I, I'm going to stop you right there. I have a couple games like this, and and so I'm going to say, let's talk about the Titans versus the Jaguars. And my first thing to be say is like, don't even, don't even. Titans are favored by seven and a half. They'll cover the spread, even if they do it late. They might have a terrible start to the game, be down 14. They're still going to cover the seven and a half spread. I just think that they're they're ready to play well, and 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 they they look pretty formidable formidable right now. I know it's going to be probably a weird game where something crazy happens, and James Robinson has like f- f- 500 yards on the ground for no reason. But I better not. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Fantasy playoffs. Uh, <laughs> I'm never going to say I want a player to tear an ACL, but uh, maybe you can just, you know, just not feel well that day. There you go. Um, but yeah, that's the big questions for me. It's like Titans get this win easy, but can James Robinson crack the thousand yard mark in his first season? Can King Henry pad the rushing lead? Uh, Titans also, it's not just a win they should get. It's a win they need. They need the win to stay ahead of the Colts in that AFC South division because uh, they're still tied, just they're ahead on the tiebreaker. So Titans win this one, cover the seven and a half point spread. Next. Dude, I that's that is the that's a tough one to pick because you said it. Like the Titans right. always seem to to let you down, and the Jaguars always seem to surprise. So that that's a tough one. Um yeah. I got one that was a little tough for me. The Cowboys and the Bengals. Cowboys are favored by three and a half in this one. And I've gone kind of back and forth on it. I think if Joe Burrow was playing, I I think I would have picked the Bengals, but the offense just really isn't the same without him. And then on the other side, you got Mr. Andy Dalton, who's who's kind of making the not kind of, he's making his return trip to to Cincinnati, where he has been the starting quarterback for nearly a decade. So I think Dalton comes with with a little bit of revenge in his heart. And and really he he hasn't looked that bad at, at, as a quarterback for Dallas. And he has plenty of weapons with CD lamb, um, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, of course, Zeke Elliott. So I think the Cowboys are going to win a close one here. 24 to 20. Yeah, I agree. It, it would be a close. I mean, Joe Burrow, I would definitely put money on Joe Burrow, but the Bengals that, you know, they're not the same and it showed, showed very much uh, in that last game. Uh, I'm going to go to another game that should be easy. And before anyone says anything because of last week, I'm going to stop you right there. It's the Jets versus Seahawks. Matt, I'm going to stop you right there. Don't even, don't even, don't even say it. Seahawks are favored by 13 and a half. And after being held basically to nothing by the Giants that you know 
Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf need some revenge. And what better team to play than the hapless New York Jets to get that? You know, I, I think it'll be a high-scoring game that we don't expect, maybe like 40 to 20 or something like that because the Seahawks defense is so terrible and Darnold's actually like a capable quarterback. But, I mean, the Seahawks are going to win. They're going to cover the spread. They're going to win by two touchdowns. And, you know, just next one, please. I, I I know people have stuff to say about the Seahawks, and I know the Jets almost pulled off a win, but the Jets didn't pull off the win, and the Seahawks are still still the Seahawks, you know? So, I, you know, this one's easy. Next! It's hard It's hard to imagine Seattle have, like, playing that poor of a game again. Like, the Giants did some good stuff, but, like, it was it really was Seattle just playing a horrible game. So, I, I agree. I think, I think they get at least a little bit back on track. And, and as you say, not, not many better teams to get back on track against than the uh, New York Jets. Uh, I will go to uh, – you, you mentioned KC. They're going up against Miami this weekend. The Chiefs are favored by seven. They've had some closer games than we expected recently. They had they had that close one against the Broncos. Um, but, you know, the Dolphins haven't really looked all that great recently either. Uh, you know, Tua in particular has, has cooled down from, from that kind of hot start he seemed to have. Uh, I think some beautiful weather in Florida means a bit of a replication of their game against Tampa for the Chiefs, and KC wins this one easy, 34-17. to 17. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Chiefs are going number one seed. Let's just be completely honest about that. Next. All right, my last game that's like my don't, don't even talk to me about it game, it's the Saints versus the Eagles, and let me just stop you right there. Philly fans, don't even. Don't even come. Don't even. People are like posting the thing where it's like, well, you know who else was put in when they were down 20 to 7 to the Packers in the third quarter? Michael Vick. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jalen Hurts is not Michael Vick. Let's all calm down. Everybody wants a storyline. Let's all. Everybody- even if he is, uh, the Eagles got a lot more issues than I think even Michael Vick would be able to cover up. Right, exactly. So, you know, Jalen Hurts going into his first NFL start is enough problems for the Eagles that no one knows what he's going to do. Maybe he does something. Who knows? But guess who they're playing? They're playing the best defense in the league. They're not playing anybody but the best defense in the league. They're playing the indomitable Saints defense that held Tom Brady and Matt Ryan to rookie numbers. So what do you think Jalen Hurts is going to do? Don't even give me that, honestly. Saints have a six and a half point spread. It obviously should be more. Uh, but I think they win by a touchdown. I think the defense does the work, and Taysom Hill is serviceable once again. Uh, but the Saints, 11-2 and two after this one. Yeah, I mean, like, if that if the Saints' defense wasn't playing so good, I maybe there would be a chance for, like, to do something. But they're just so, like, maybe that change of pace with Jalen Hurts would seem a little, to be a little more. But, like, that defense is just on a tear right now where it, it's tough to imagine even – with whatever Jalen Hurts brings to the offense, you know, making that much of a difference for a team that has a lot of issues besides just the quarterback. Um, I will talk you. We mentioned New York Giants getting the, the big win against Seattle last week. Uh, they're going up against the Cardinals this week, another team that is truly struggling. Who would have imagined like a month ago that the Giants would be one game behind record-wise than the Cardinals? Cardinals are 6-6 six and six now. Giants are 5-7. and seven. Really, it's been the Giants' defense that have led quite a resurgence with Leonard Williams and Bradbury back there in the defensive back. And Kyler Murray, especially for Arizona, has been cooling down. Not nearly as explosive as he was at the start of this season. But I I do think – I mentioned it already. I think the win in Seattle, it it was a great win by New York, and they did a lot of good things. But Seattle also played absolutely horrible. They made made the the life of New York pretty easy. And, like, Cole McCoy and Alfred Morris are – Colt McCoy and Alfred Morris. So I I think Arizona does get the bounce back here and they win 28 to 20. 
Love that. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason they're Washington football team X's, not not the ones leading them down the field. It's just the truth there. Uh, although we love to see it. We love to see both those players back on it for sure. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think the Giants hype is definitely, you know, granted, but like a little over overblown. Definitely. They're moving. They're moving in the right direction, but it's not like they're also still leading the division at five and seven. Like, like it's not like this team is, is surprising and, and like winning a division where there's a lot of great competitors in it. <laughs> Right, exactly. And everyone's like, James Bradbury might be the best defensive player in the league. I'm like, yeah, uh, Seahawks have Jamal Adams on defense and they're still ass. So, like, let's James all... Bradbury might be, though. He is, yeah, he, he's a ba- he is a bad dude. Yeah, he's a bad dude. He's a good, he's, he is always so much fun to watch. Yeah, I don't know in this one, but correct me if I'm wrong. I think that. The, the Steelers defense had this impenetrable feel to them at the beginning, and I just don't see that anymore. I think the lusters come off as they faced more teams, whether it be exhaustion, whether it be, you know, just because we've seen them in action more. And the loss of Bud Dupree kind of puts the nail in the coffin for me in this one in terms of them being able to stop Josh Allen. And uh, I think they're, they're favored by two and a half. So I, I think that the, uh, the Bills are. And so I think the Bills cover it. I think they win by a touchdown. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think you make a great point about the Steelers. It's It's a defense that... It's it's a good defense, but it's a defense that really does rely on on sacks and in the pass rush getting to the quarterback and in turn creating turnovers. So I, like it's not one that really keeps everything in front of you and like it really like is stout in that sort of fashion. So it like they kind of require big plays. It's a it's a big play defense. If it was Josh Allen of, of two years ago, that would be probably the perfect formula. But like the guy is legit. The team is legit now, and there, there's really no more questions about that. And and if Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers weren't absolutely tearing up the league I, I think Josh Allen would would be right there in the MVP uh contest and and you're right as well with the records like they're nine and three 11 and one if the Bills win this game they they've got a great chance of getting the two seed um if Pittsburgh went one against Washington there's not a chance I wouldn't pick Bills but but I'm picking the Bills anyway like the Bills are the Bills are really starting to to, to put things together and I think I think like there's now now there's the like the thing that was holding over being held over Pittsburgh's head was the undefeated season. And now it's like, Oh, can we hang on to this one seed? And, and I think like that sort of pressure is, is going to get to them. And, and also just the bills are a good team. So I got the bills winning 31 to 21. Yeah, there you go. Steelers get a second loss and their trajectory moves down the ladder. And with that, the NFL picks for week 14 are done. Only a couple more weeks of picks and we will keep making them hopefully keep having good weeks like last week, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's a, uh, it's a no hard promises. No promises. All right. Well, with that, Matt, what phase are we in? Let us know. Cool down. There you go. There you go. We're going to we're going to change some audio as we progress here, but that's going to stay in. <laughs> that is going to stay in. Uh, yeah. It's a it's a non-starter for me. We you you uh, in that and uh, I'm out of here. Yeah, it's in the it's in his contract. You can't can't get that out. That's that's really the big part. Ironclad. Ironclad. Uh, yeah, but uh, part of the cool down today, we're going to do a little throwback because it's Thursday, a little throwback Thursday. Uh, there's a lot of winter time slash Christmas family traditions that everyone has that are always interesting to talk about. So why don't you give me, Matt, a winter time family tradition from your family, the Smiths? Absolutely. Uh, well, I, technically, this would be more of a uh, swift uh, family tradition. My uh, my mom's got nine siblings, as we said. You know, there's that, that Irish Catholic part of part of me. 
Um, so on Thanksgiving, we all get together and um, this, we haven't really done this anymore as everyone's gotten older, but um, all of her siblings have, have kids. So there's like 30 of us cousins, you know, just, just a crap ton. Um, and so at Thanksgiving, every cousin would put their name into, you know, a, a hat or something. And then you'd pick out a name and that's the person that you, who you would be getting gifts for, for Christmas. And then on Christmas Eve, everyone would go up to my grandma's and from youngest to oldest, uh, everyone would open their gifts and we'd watch everybody open their gifts. Uh, and it's kind of sad because la- last year was the last year at my grandma's house. She, she finally sold it because, you know, she's an old lady and it was kind of a big house. So uh, we, we dropped the tradition of the, the gifts a few years ago, but the uh, not going to grandma's house, which who knows if we would have been able to do it anyway this year, probably not. But uh, having, having like, we, we all got very emotional last Christmas Eve of being like, damn, man, like we have been like 30 years of, of so many little like memories as, as a young kid and stuff. So uh, yeah, that was, that's one of my swift family traditions. How about yourself? I love that, man. I love that. That's, that's, I don't have a very big family like that. And so that always is, I love, it's a lovely thing to hear about and probably was a great memory for you. And even though they're all batshit crazy. Hey, you know, just like me, just like you, just like Maddie. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, My wintertime family tradition. So my mom's birthday is December 16th. Uh, So mom will probably do a episode on your birthday and I'll wish you happy birthday then. But in case we don't happy early birthday to you. Uh, in her Happy fi- early birthday, Jan's mom. Yeah, I mean, just in her 50s and a CrossFit junkie. She's absolutely ridiculous and uh, definitely an inspiration uh, for what I hope to be in my own fitness, you know, half her age, my goodness. Anyway, uh, but yeah, uh, for my mom's birthday, she's super simple. You know, she doesn't want gifts and, you know, she just wants, you know, her family there and she wants to go for a hike. And so in the middle of December, always for her birthday in the last couple of years, we just always gone for a hike, even if it's been freaking cold, even if it's been freaking raining, we always go to Lake McBride and go for a nice little hike there. Uh, And it's been really nice, you know, because my family, the three of them, except for me, they're all pretty like to themselves, they do their own thing. And so it's a nice way of us all sharing time together because we're, we're very close. We just aren't like all a few i'm i'm the i'm the drama queen of the of the team let's just be completely honest here so uh i'm the one that doesn't shut up so if you couldn't tell and uh, um i I feel that i'm i I would say the same about myself yeah there you go uh that's why we get along and uh yeah but it's been it's it's really nice and uh always to celebrate my mom's birthday is a good time but there you go some lovely family traditions from yours truly uh, let's go historical. We usually do historical facts. So I, this is a historical Christmas theme fact. I asked, uh, Matt to research and share a cool Christmas tradition, uh, that you don't partake in either if it's like weird or from different culture or whatever. So Matt, what did you find for us? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't think other things are weird, Yannick. So, you know, I let people do their, let people do their stuff, man. <laughs> but uh, I'm just, I'm just giving you, a, I'm just giving you a hard time because that's, that's what we do here. That's that's, that's my job. But uh, so I found out that, you know, and most like America and I, I, apparently most Western countries around the world when celebrating uh, Christmas, they use like the traditional green deciduous pine tree and decorated with ornaments and everything. But in New Zealand, the tradition is a little bit different. The Pahutakoa tree with crimson flowers is known nationally as the symbol of the holidays. 
Uh, and dating back to 1857, the beautiful and brightly colored blossoms of this tree have been used to create holiday centerpieces, as well as the full tree kind of serving as a decoration. So, uh, and another name for the tree over the years has included the Settler's Christmas Tree, which seems pretty apt. I, I, I like that name by by the New Zealanders, uh, and or the uh, Antipodian Holly. So, in New Zealand, they they don't use like pine trees for Christmas, which I thought was cool. I I'd never like even thought about like anyone using a different sort of tree for, for the decoration, you know? Yeah. I love that. I love that. Good, good New Zealand fact from, I know that you, you admire the, our, our Pacific friends. So uh, it's a, it's a good one. Uh, I'm also going to go Pacific ish uh, kind of holiday tradition uh, in Japan. Christmas isn't really a holiday there because you know, the religion isn't anything Christianity related. Um, but a weird thing began in 1974, a weird tradition where, uh, a certain fast food chain started a, a campaign for the holidays saying like, this is what we should do for the holidays. And it caught fire and it has become a tradition that has held in Japan since the seventies where you have on Christmas, two hour long lines to that's right. You guessed it. KFC. KFC is the place to go for Christmas in Japan. Uh, the campaign was called Kentucky for Christmas and everyone loved it. And now the people will wait in two hour long lines on Christmas day to go to KFC. And it's just, see, that's weird to me. That has nothing to do with anything. That is weird. Dude, I was, I was going to guess KFC for some reason. I don't know why. I think I knew that it, like, it was kind of big in J- Japan. Uh, my, my buddy that lives in Australia, like he loves KFC. He thinks it's the, the greatest thing. Well, no, he loves KFC and Hardee's. He legitimately has like two Hardee's posters in his room in, in Melbourne. And I'm like, how, I don't think anyone likes Hardee's that much, but that, that, that is a little strange, but, uh, but I love too, that it's like, like you said, like, they're like, well, this isn't really like a holiday for us, but like, might as well do something like, sure. Yeah. I mean, Hey, if, if, if Americans can eat Chinese food for Thanksgiving for no reason, then they can do whatever the hell they want for Christmas. That's just fair. I think. Uh, yeah. And, and, uh, that's the fun part of our cool down, which means it has come. The time has come for the quick fire questions. Matt, the seat is hot. It is on fire. Here we go. Starting off with some champions league football questions. We've got our two favorite teams, I would say, in in the knockout rounds, they both progressed. And so it, it is likely that they will meet each other later on in the tournament. But between Liverpool and Bayern Munich, who is more likely to get upset in the first round of the Champions League knockout? I think Liverpool, just because of, of the form that Bayern has right now, I, I just think they're they're in they, they they've kind of carried over that form from from last season, while Liverpool is kind of been been affected more from like even from after the restart you know they they weren't as sharp as we had seen them before so i say liverpool a good answer the right answer thank you for that anyway i just wanted to hear i just wanted to hear matt say it <laughs> um i'm sure you like i love to be the contrarian so i'm sure there was a little worry that you, you thought i might actually say byron but i mean you know i have when credit is due i have to give it there you go. I was a little worried, not gonna lie. All right. There was there there's a lot of the good thing is you asked me about the 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 one team that I would never want to give any credit to. I mean, if, if I'm stuck between Bayern and Liverpool, it's always an easy choice there. 
Right. If I had, I, I, I picked this question, I was going to do Bayern or Juventus. And I was like, I bet he picks Bayern against Juventus. I bet he freaking does. I don't know why, but I had that feeling. I'd still take, I'd still take you. I don't see Bayern losing to in the first round. There you go. All right. Well, the NFL has a lot of divisions, a lot of good divisions, a lot of bad divisions. The NFC West was supposed to be stacked and a lot of their teams have fallen to five or six losses. The NFC East obviously has much more losses than that. The AFC North has a couple of good teams. Uh, which division in the NFL is the best division? I think it's still the NFC West. Like I, the Niners are five and seven and last, and it's because they haven't had their best defensive player or offensive player all year, or their quarterback. And you know the the Cardinals have slowed down, but six and six still in the race. And the Rams and the Seahawks, even though Seahawks had a bad game, are still looking like they'll probably make the playoffs. So I still think it's the NFC West. There you go, NFC West, best division still. And finally, Paul George gets the contract extension, which we talked about kind of signals like Kawhi won't be there far too much longer. Uh, They're expecting him to probably move on as soon as he feels like it. So whether it's with the Clippers or to the next team that Kawhi Leonard is or to the team after that, will Kawhi Leonard win another NBA championship? Yeah, I think so. I think I think Kawhi stays in LA. I think like I we did talk about how much he he has no qualms with leaving anywhere and, and going to the place that he he wants to be. But I think he's getting to the age too where I think he would like to be settled and like acting like the Clippers are are just a total failure because of getting out of the playoffs last year is certainly not a, a fair thing. Like I think this team with Kawhi and Paul George, like I said, it, I'm not sure that that partnership's the greatest partnership, but like. It's not that bad of a one. So, yeah, I, I I think Kawhi does, and I think probably with L.A. Okay, there you have it. Kawhi winning with the Clippers. Congratulations, Clippers. Matt said it. It must be true. All right, put your money well, on if it only now. That was, if only that was the case. Put your money on it now. All right, well, with that, the cool-down section is done. We have reached the end of our episode. Thank you so much for joining us this week for both of our episodes we'll be back next week with much more to talk about with championship football in the college sport coming up uh but for now stay safe wear a mask and have a lovely day anything to add matthew cheers y'all